Hey, welcome to the Where the Moon podcast. My name is Hannah, and today we're going to be talking about Bird Box, which came out in 2018 on Netflix. I remember there was a lot of hype around this movie. Um, I didn't don't have Netflix, so I didn't get to watch it. But I remember uh, Bird Box challenges and all kinds of weird stuff going on. Everybody was talking about it. And just couldn't shut up about it. And then I just recently saw it a couple weeks ago for the first time. And I was like, okay. Uh, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This movie is really, really good. As always, I do my uh, spoiler-free review first. And then I will get into spoilers in a second. Also, if you hear any cats yelling in the background, I apologize. I'm house-sitting at the moment. So if the recording sounds different, that's also why. Um, But this movie is really, really good. We've got a lot of hard-hitting actors and actresses in this one. Sandra Bullock is one of the stars. Sarah Paulson, who you might know from American Horror Story and Run. Um, John Malkovich, who is just the John Malkovich. Like, if you don't know him, I mean, wow. Uh, Then we also have B.D. Wong, who is the scientist from Jurassic World, who's always fucking things up. And we also have Machine Gun Kelly for some reason in this movie. Um, I did not recognize him because I don't, I think I know one Machine Gun Kelly song and I think he looks like um, a weasel fucker. Um, So he just, he he looks gross to me. Kind of like a a, a white kid pretending to be a gangster. Um, He reminds me of, maybe that's, harsh, but he, he reminds me of my sister's ex, who was a drug dealer and also a piece of shit. So, um, I, that was my only impression when I saw him in this movie. Uh, and that's kind of the character he plays is a drug addict piece of shit. So, um, anyway, he's in this movie, which is super fucking random. And then, uh, the other thing I have to say about this movie is that it has great characters, Um, great character intros, and it is not a time waster. Like, we don't have dialogue in this movie that doesn't serve a purpose. Like, every bit of dialogue is character building or uh, mood building, atmosphere building. It's building um, a reality, which I think is very important in movies, and it's not doing it boringly. Like, what's your name? Where do you live? It's like, you know you just see where people are at. And I think that that's um, really good. This movie is really great at showing and not telling. Um, Like, there's a scene where John Malkovich and Sandra Bullock get closer together. And instead of being like, we have friends now, it it just kind of lets you assume that that's what happens. So it's really good at that, and I really appreciate that. Not a lot of movies do that. It doesn't hold your hand and walk you through everything, which is great. Uh, it's very tense at moments, um, and you definitely feel for these characters. They all become very real to you, which I think is important in a movie, any movie, but especially a horror movie. Because, I mean, this type of horror movie, anyhow, it's very important. It's things like Friday the 13th, you're like, you know, get up, Jason, you know? But, like, this this type of horror movie, you really need to feel for the characters in order for it to pack a punch And this movie does that very well. I will also say that it doesn't explain everything. So if you're someone who you need answers, um, this is not the movie for you because it doesn't give you those. Um, I'm one of those people that I'm like, you don't need to explain every little thing. I don't really care. That's not really the focus of this movie. We're not like an I Am Legend where we're like a scientist trying to figure out a cure. Like, we're, we're just trying to survive. So we don't need to know everything. We just need to know what we need to know in order to survive. And they give you that much. Um, There's no big reveal of the monsters, which I think is better than having a big reveal of the monsters. Because I don't think... There are very few monsters that I've seen on screen that live up to expectation. Um, And this, I don't think they would have been able to bring you something that lives up to expectation. Um, So I like that they don't you know, pan out and show these creatures, whatever they are. They just kind of keep it mysterious. Um, And it it works really, really well. So 
that's my unspoilery review. So if you want to go watch it, I highly recommend it. It's a good watch if you're looking for something um, that is intense, but not too tense to the point where you're like freaking out the rest of the night. You know, it's it's scary, but it's not like horrifying. There's no gore really, um, but it is still it's a, it's a really good movie. Um, so for the spoiler part, um, I'll let you know, we start off with a voice on the radio and, uh, it's this guy saying, we've got a safe place, you know, you got to come down the river, you know, uh, they can't get to us in here. And he's like, um, do you have kids and kids won't make it because of the rapids. So it's kind of a one-sided conversation that we hear via the radio. And then we see Sandra Bullock and she's going like full Drill Sergeant Supreme on these two kids. She's like, do not take off your blindfolds. Don't do this. Don't do that. If you do, you will die. Do you understand? And they're just like, uh-huh. you know, kind of. And she calls them boy and girl, which is the funniest thing to me ever. So, um, that's kind of their names. I, I was like, you gotta be fucking with me. <laughs> nope, that, that is their names. Um, and she explains to them, like, if you take off your blindfold, you will die. So, we're, we're getting some of the, the backstory a little bit here. We're getting some of the rules of this, this survival apocalyptic world. Um, and it's not much to go off of, but, you know. We understand why they're blindfolded, why they're walking around. Um, then she grabs, she's got these little burbs in a cage. Yes, she does. Cats are protesting. Oh my gosh, guys, don't fight. Anyway, um, the burbs, she puts the burbs in a box. <laughs> that's, that's the movie's name. The birds are in a box. <laughs> we did it, guys. We made it. Um, and I just noticed that, like, Sandra Bullock is so, like, precise in this moment like it's impressive like she grabs the kids puts the birds in this box you know she's got holes in the box so the birds can breathe and she's got the kids and she's got this line and she's counting out her steps she's counting out this and counting out that counting out the stairs it's very impressive and uh oh sorry that she gets to um the riverside flips the boat over gets the kids in the boat all very impressive because uh, she's doing it, like I said, blindfolded. Everyone's blindfolded. Um, and I thought at this point, like, that's kind of weird that they're all blindfolded. Because I'm pretty sure this is around the time A Quiet Place came out. And I looked it up. Yeah, Quiet Place also came out in 2018. So we had two movies that kind of play off of disabilities. Uh, you know, the Quiet Place, you can't speak. And in this one, you can't see. So I think that's pretty intense. I know Hush also came out probably around this time. Sorry, I just thought of that or else I'd have the date. Um, but Hush also came out around this time. And that one, I believe the lady is mute and deaf. So um, we, we don't really, I think normal people don't really think about that and how terrifying that is, which is why the Bird Box Challenge existed. Um, it You kind of we're doing the bird box thing. You put a blindfold on and see how well you can move around and do things. Not as well as Sandra Bullock. I can promise you that. Um, so at this point in the movie, we get the kids in the boat, we get the boat on the river and Sandra Bullock is rowing this thing and we are going down the river absolutely blind, which is great. It's exactly what you want to be doing. And then we get like a title card that's like five years earlier. Not like the, the movie title card. It's just like a, you know, screen five years earlier, um, which is great. Um, so we get to see the buildup of what's going on. So at this point, Sandra Bullock, her name is Mallory. She's in her own apartment. She's painting and her ego is super prego. She's got like a bowling ball in her stomach. And Sarah Paulson shows up, which is super exciting. I do like Sarah Paulson's acting. She can be very um, sweet and timid and also intimidating. And in this movie, she is witty and sweet. And I just love her scenes. Um, especially right here, we get a lot of great character moments. And we get a lot of plot that's sort of inserted into the conversation seamlessly. So if you're not paying attention and you're like on your phone or, you know, got your finger butt or whatever, um, you're going to miss it. But 
like they have they they have little slots where they just kind of hash out who they are as people. Um, Sarah Paulson says, you know, your roommate, Ryan, and she goes, Ryan wasn't just a roommate. And she's like, well, as it turns out, he kind of was. So we assume Ryan's the father of the child, whoever he is. We assume that he vamoosed um, and wants nothing to do with Mallory anymore or the child. Uh, we get from their bits of dialogue that Mallory's got some attachment issues. Um, the sisters have had family problems. Like I said, the dad of the baby's out of the picture. Um, it's just a lot of good beats. We also, um, we get the feeling that there's something going on, some kind of pandemic happening, but it's happening in Russia. So, you know, whatever, we'll probably say. Um, at that point, they're talking and, uh, Sarah Paulson, the sister, she's like, hey, I'm gonna go look at this Arabian stud, which is, she's talking about a horse, all right? <laughs> I want to make that very clear. She's, she's talking about a horse. And, uh, She's like, do you want to go with me? And Mallory's like, well, I've got my last OBGYN appointment. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going with you. And she's like, you don't have to do that. I can cancel the appointment. We can go look at an Arabian stud. And she's like, no, no, no. We're going to the hospital. We're going to see your doctor. So sister takes her. They're at the hospital. And we see this lady in a tracksuit, a red tracksuit, as, um, as we're going through the hospital. And we kind of like slow pan on her. So she stands out. Not sure why yet, but she's standing out to us. So then uh, we're at the OBGYN appointment. She's showing everybody. Um, she's doing an ultrasound of the baby. So showing them the baby. And I love this doctor. She is so funny. Um, the moments with this doctor, um, they're just great. Um, like the dialogue is funny and witty and they're just, they have a good banter. Like if I had a doctor with this kind of bedside manner, I would be, I, do, I would just feel way more at ease. Um, she's super great. And Mallory is calling the baby a little bean and she's like, well, you might want to rephrase that because it's the size of a watermelon now. And she's like, you know, what are you going to name it? And she's like, I don't know. And so she's like, you know, a problem is a problem. You can't just ignore it and hope it goes away. Like that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. This is not just a problem. This is a baby. You need to think about what you want to do. And this is the moment where I like double down on my love for this doctor because instead of handing her pamphlets with, you know, Planned Parenthood, yada, yada, she hands her an adoption pamphlet. Um, and people were like, oh, this movie is pro-life and against choice, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, maybe it is, uh, but I personally appreciate that. I personally don't believe that abortion should be used as birth control. It's not healthy for a woman's body to just be doing that all the time. Um, I, I mean, you if you made your choice to have sex, and in this case, Mallory seems to have made a conscious decision to have sex, that is one of the consequences of having sex. Like, you don't you don't decide to bake a cake and then you accidentally get pregnant or you don't decide to go do your taxes and you accidentally end up pregnant. Like, you, you, there, you only, like, if you're making conscious decisions, like, I'm going to go sleep with this man and you end up pregnant, that's a consequence of your action, right? Like, it's not like you didn't know that that could happen. Uh, with cases like rape and, you know, where the mother's life is in danger, I think those are a little bit different. I still, with rape, would... Rather, people go with adoption. But, I mean, at the same time, she didn't make the decision. Someone else made that decision for her. And I think she should, without judgment, be able to make a decision. Um, I don't think I would make that decision. And I'm not saying that shooting in the dark. Um, so, don't at me on that. But this movie isn't, this isn't the focus of that movie. It's just a moment that I appreciate. Um, and it's a very quick moment, too. Because after we have that... She just looks at the, the adoption pamphlet and then all of a sudden we hear like vomiting. And uh, this is when like I really love the sisters because Mallory's vomiting and her sister is like, are you in there vomiting? And she's like, no. And she's like, is it the chunky kind? And she's like, no, it's the smooth kind that comes out really quick and easy. And you're like, why would you even ask that question? They just they have such a weird sibling relationship and I fucking love it. It's, it's like every sibling relationship. Like, you just ask your sibling weird questions. That's just how you do it. Um, so she's like, go get the car. I'll be out in a second. And so uh, Mallory 
is leaving, and of course we see the tracksuit lady again, except this time she is slamming her head into the fucking window, the glass. And it is gnarly. Like, it's not just like, bam, bam. It's like, bam, bam. And we see, like, the glass start to spiderweb. And we see blood everywhere. And she, like, looks Mallory in the face with blood coming off of her forehead. And then just starts going for it again. And you're like, what the fuck? And, of course, Mallory's like, we gone. We're out, ski. Uh, we're leaving. Uh, GTFO, y'all. Bye, Felicia. Peacing out. Uh, sphinctering out as we say on John, Sophomore John's podcast, or Sophomore John's stream, rather, uh, when we're playing Alien Isolation specifically, we're sphinctering out. We're getting out of there. Um, we're, whatever is happening in Russia, Mallory says, it's happening here now, so we gotta, we gotta go. And, um, we, so the sister's like, you're gonna come with me to my ranch, and we're gonna lay low until this thing is over, and she's like, no, I want to go back to my apartment, and she's like, no, 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 you have nothing in your apartment, I literally had to go get you groceries, like, no, we're not doing that, you're gonna come out to my ranch, and she's like, what am I gonna wear, blah, blah, blah. and she's like, you're focusing on all the wrong things, and Valerie's like, I find it comforting to focus on the wrong things, and I was like, damn, if that's not relatable, I don't even know what is, I, I felt her on that one, so, um, sister is driving them out of there, and shit is happening. Like, people are crashing their vehicles. People are jumping in front of it. Like, it is just bonanza. Like, everything is balls to the walls insane. And a phone starts ringing, and Mallory's like, it's not me. And she's like, oh, my phone is in the back. So Mallory turns around, which is a very important detail, and is fishing around for the sister's phone. And the sister, I love the effects in this movie, what they do with the eyes. Because the sister is staring forward, driving, sees something. Her eyes change color. She starts, like, crying. And then immediately starts trying to wreck them. And, of course, Mallory is like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, what are you doing? And they're fighting for the wheel. And the car flips. And uh, they're crawling out from underneath it. Luckily, they're able to. Um, I say luckily, not really for the sister, um, because holy shit, bye-bye Sarah Paulson. She uh, just steps, she's staring her sister, who's on the ground, in the face, and then Sarah Paulson just steps backward in front of a dump truck and just gets splatted. It is a very good kill, and it's super freaky. I give it a 10 out of 10. It's the most surprising kill in this movie, especially your first watch around, you're like, and then Sarah Paulson just kills herself, and you're like, holy shit. So, everything's blowing up. People are crashing. Uh, Mallory is riding the struggle bus because she's pregnant. She just got into a car wreck. She's trying to get somewhere safe. Um, this is clearly not, you know, her, her part of town. And she's just, she's just, like I said, on the struggle bus. And she sees John Malkovich and his wife. And she stops. She's like, oh my goodness, she's pregnant. And he's like... Leave her, like, you know, he's, like, major dick vibes. He's, like, who cares? Don't give a fuck. We gotta escape. But that doesn't stop her. She's She goes over to Mallory and starts talking to her and is, like, gonna help her. But then she looks up and sees something and she goes, Mom, don't go. And then she sits her ass down in a flaming car. And it's flaming. Like, we can see her silhouette in this car. She's on fire. And then the car explodes with her in it. And you're like, holy titties. This movie is insane already. So Mallory uh, is on the ground. She's saved by this dashing fella who tells her to keep her eyes down. Don't look. He helps her up. They're running towards this house that John Malkovich just escaped into. And they're pounding on the door, um, and John Malkovich is like, don't let them in, and B.D. Wong is like, this is my house, and I'll do what I want, bitch. So he lets them in, and uh, John's not happy with Mallory, but the owner of the house, who we've come to find out is named Greg, it's uh, B.D. Wong, he is not him, and he's like, no, you guys are okay, you can come in, you can, you can stay as long as you need. And there's more people in the house, and everybody just kind of starts rambling about what is going on. I said that just like Kristen Stewart did in Twilight, but whatever. Um, they, uh, they're talking about what and why is going on, um, you know, different things that they've heard, that they've seen. And Tom is like, 
if you see whatever it is, you start, you die. And John Malkovich is like, no, you start trying to kill yourself until you die. And that's kind of what we've seen happen is people just start trying to kill themselves. Um, and they, they go at it until they accomplish it. Um, which is super fucking freaky and a really cool plot, like a really cool, like, plot. Just awesome. Um, everybody, like I said, though, everybody's kind of like freaked out about what's going on. This is where we meet the rest of the cast of characters for the majority of the movie, aside from boy and girl, of course, because they're little babies. Um, they're like five. <laughs> Wonder why we went back five years. Um, but, um, we have like... You know, we've got Machine Gun Kelly, whose name is Felix, who's basically a trashy, junkie-looking dude. And then we've got a girl from the police academy. We've got Douglas, who is John Malkovich. We have Greg, who's B.D. Wong. We've got Tom, and we've got... Tom is the guy who saved Mallory. We've got Mallory, and we've got this little old lady. I never catch her name. And then, um, who else do we have? Charlie. guy named Charlie who works at the supermarket, and I think, I think that's it for now. So, um, Mallory, she's freaking out. They're trying to watch the news. The news cuts off, um, and on the news channel, we see a horse running from the police, and of course, that sets Mallory off, starts crying again, and, uh, Tom notices this. He goes to comfort her a little bit, which she's, like, not having it, man. But they have, like, a really cute moment. Um, and then uh, we kind of cut to the present. And it says, it tells us how long they've been on the river. So they've been six hours on the river now. And boy and girl are cuddled up under a blanket, just sleeping. Um, which is super, super cute. Mallory is caring for her bergs, her little burbies. Um, and she tries the radio, but she gets nothing back, you know. Um, and then the birds start yakking, and Mallory goes on full alert. So clearly these birds have some kind of instinct that Mallory finds useful. So, back in the past, um, we talk about food and rations, and Douglas, who is John Malkovich, is being pissy about <laughs> about Mallory being pregnant he's like some of us don't know what rationing means and I was like wow guy maybe calm your titties and Tom is looking like he's thinking the same thing and then we get a knock on the door and there's a lady on the other side she's like help me blah 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 um and of course John Malkovich Douglas is like no we're not doing that like you know it's bad enough that we've got this many people and our rations are running low we're not helping someone else and he goes to get the gun, but Mallory's like, psych, it's mine, bitch. So she's holding Douglas at gunpoint, and Tom's talking to whoever's through the door. It's a lady, and he says, hey, I need you to take this blanket, put it up across those lanterns, and then I'm going to open the door for you, um, which is great. And he, he has everyone look away, which is great. Um, Tom is, like, very much taking care of everybody. So... Um, he opens the door and this lady comes in and she says her name is Olympia. I thought she said Olivia. I was wrong. It's Olympia, which is a dope ass name. And she is also prego. Um, and she is due close to Mallory. So um, that's weird and not coincidental at all. She said she, was, she left home hoping to find food um, because she was running out. She didn't want her baby to starve. And John Malkovich Douglas is not happy. You know, he, he was already pissed off about the one pregnant lady they let in, and now they have two, and he makes a comment like, great, now we have two. <laughs> but Greg has an idea. Um, he says, you know, what if we don't look at them directly? Um, we have cameras all around the house, um, so maybe if we look at them through the cameras, we, A, won't be completely blind, and B, might be safe. Um, and everybody's kind of like, mixed feelings on it. Douglas is like, this is a bad idea. You should not do this. Um, but Greg is like, I think it's worth a try. And he volunteers as tribute. So they tie him down to, um, a, like an office chair. And as they're doing that, he's got his computer screens up, all the cameras up. And, uh, Greg, Greg and Douglas, um, have a moment 
excuse me, where Douglas gives as heartfelt a goodbye as he can. Um, it seems that, so at the, be at the beginning of this mess in the house, sorry, I was just tapping on this dog's ear, my bad. Um, at the beginning of their tenure in the house, uh, Douglas and Greg clearly have beef because Douglas is suing Greg and their neighbors. Um, and he's suing him for a house renovation. Um, and when Mallory says, you know, like, why are you suing him? And he says, because I have to look at them. Um, because he wants to build the husband, Greg's husband wants to build um, a glass monstrosity, he calls it. So um, he had told Greg, you know, that's not why I was suing you guys, but clearly it was. Um, which, I mean, <sighs> married people are going to do what married people are going to do. Um, just talking in general. Uh, personally, if I were Douglas, I wouldn't want them to build a, a big glass room either uh, facing my house. Um, but that's regardless of their sexual orientation. <laughs> I don't, like, personally... I know I walk around my house in the nude, so, like, I assume other people do it, and I'm not interested in seeing you, whoever you are, neighbor, uh, walking around your house nude. But anyway, um, so I kind of get that. Um, kind of don't. You know, the reason is a little iffy, but, like, I do get it at the same time. Like, I wouldn't want to be seeing my neighbors being all together and lovey dead. Like, that to me is just weird. Um, especially if you don't know your neighbors. <laughs> like, that would be super fucking weird. We had, um, this is random. We had a, uh a patch of woods across the street from my house growing up that we had to be careful going into because an elderly couple owned that property and they would just walk through the woods naked. So, um, definitely not about seeing my neighbors naked. Maybe that just scarred me for life. I don't know. But anyway, um, Academy Girl and Machine Gun Kelly, they have a tiny moment where Academy Girl's stretching and he's checking her out. She's like, not in your dreams, bro. And he's like, it's the end of the world. You never know. And then we see Douglas drinking, but he's rationing it really, really well. And after hours and hours of looking at these screens, Greg finally sees it. Um, and he starts freaking out. Everybody hears it. A bunch of people go rushing upstairs to help Greg. And Tom warns everyone to look away fast. They smash the monitor, but it's too late. Greg has unalived himself. He flips his chair to the side and slams his head into um, a brick fixture on the ground. Um, of it, it, It's like part of a chimney, I think. Um, Academy Girl is freaking out, so Machine Gun Kelly like ushers her out of the room, um, which, for all of her pretending to be tough, Academy Girl is a big sissy. Later, um, Olympia invades Mallory's space, um, and it, she does it in a really sweet way. Like, she reminds me of the big kid. Um, she seems very emotionally needy and immature, but like I said, very sweet. Um, she just, she's not, she explains later, you know, everyone's done everything for me. You know, I'm not tough like you are, Mallory, which we'll get to that part, but she is a very soft person as far as her spirit um, and I think that that's really cute. Um, she accidentally hits a hot button topic, though, with Mallory. So Mallory goes downstairs. Um, she's asking about the baby and the husband and she, or the, you know, her husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. The dad's not in the picture. And then she asks about her family. And of course, with her sister, who is basically her only family, uh, having just unalived herself in front of a dump truck, um, she goes downstairs. So... She hears something um, as she's, like, chilling downstairs, and she opens a door and finds Machine Gun Kelly and Academy Girl fucking, and she's like, oops, sorry, and closes the door, and Tom's like, that's not something you can't, that's not something you can unsee, um, and they start cracking jokes, and they have a cute little moment, and then it's river time again. Uh, we have been on this river for 14 hours, and they're going down the way, and they hear someone calling t out to them. He's like, it's okay to take off the blindfolds. And Mallory's like, no, do not take off your blindfolds. Um, she gets her gun out. This guy is insistent. Like, he's like, you know, everything's fine. You'll be okay. You'll be better off without your blindfolds. So she grabs her gun um, and starts just shooting blind at this guy. And he's cray-cray, um, pretty obvious right away. He takes the gun from her. 
Um, but then she chops the fuck out of him with a machete and honestly, good for her. Like, here's the thing. If you're really someone trying to help, you're like, whoa, whoa, don't shoot. Like, I'll back off. This guy is obviously crazy because he's like, no, it's fine. Everything's okay. Like, no, normal people don't have that reaction when someone starts shooting at you. Someone starts shooting at you, you're like, fuck it, and they're on their own. Like, you don't just keep going for them. Um, but she chops him, and he's like, everyone must see. And then he falls into the river. Um, and then we go back to the past, and they decide, this part um, of the past, they decide to go on a food run. Um, and everybody's like, how in God's name are we going to do that? And Tom is a brilliant, wonderful man. Love him. He says, we can black out the car's windows and just use the GPS. So they paint the windows and they put up newspapers. Um, and Charlie, who is kind of a minor character, um, he explains to them that he had locked up the superstore he works at before everything kind of hit the fan. So that's why they're like, oh, we're going there. We're going to do this, you know, and they decide who's going. And it's going to be Douglas, Academy Girl, Charlie, uh, Mallory, because she said, fuck it, I'm the best. And she really is. And Tom. So um, they use the GPS and the sensors in the vehicle to tell where they're going and if they're about to hit something. So they go super slow, super, super slow. Um, and it'll be like, beep, beep, beep. And they're like, okay, you know, turn a little bit. Do this, do that, you know. And this kind of highlights Tom's role as the emotional anchor for the group. Because they do run over some dead bodies. And Tom is like, it's okay, it's just a speed bump. And they run over some actual speed bumps. And he's like, it's okay, it's just a speed bump. They're running over more bodies. Um, and it's got some good tense moments here. Uh, the car gets surrounded by whatever these creatures are. And they have to, like, gun it in reverse and then gun it forward. And then they're, like, doing all kinds of crazy stuff to try and avoid them. And somehow they make it to El Supermercado. So they get inside. Of course, they have, like, little blindfolds. They have goggles that are blacked out and blindfolds, all kinds of cool stuff. And they get in and everybody immediately splits up to find different stuff. Um, Tom reminds them, hey, we need non-perishable goods. You know, leave the perishable stuff. We only have a limited amount of room in the car. Grab things that are non-perishable. Um, Academy Girl runs off to go get some junk food for the moment. Mallory runs off to go get something. And then Douglas is like, where's the booze? <laughs> My man. So he runs off to go drink. And uh, Tom and Mallory, they have a moment, which is really, really cute. Tom kind of explains his backstory a little bit. Um, he's got a sister who's on her fourth kid. And he's like, you know, I just love her kids. And he's like, she used to let me touch her belly. And uh, Mallory's like, uh-uh, I know that game. We're not doing that. Like, uh-uh, no, no. Um, because he's clearly, like, he's also kind of hitting on her. He gets her, like, diapers. He's like, this is my uh, baby shower gift to you. Um, but it's really, it's a really cute moment. And then, uh, and Tom, he takes it really well. And Mallory is kind of into him. So she also doesn't give him, like, a firm hardcore hell no rejection which is good because he is the man um so they're still in the supermarket mallory goes and she finds the burbs um there's like a little cage of them and she's like how did you guys get so lucky and this is probably my biggest issue with this movie as far as logic and reasoning because what supermarket just has like parakeets in the fucking supermarket i don't i've never <laughs> in my life seen that like why is there just like little parakeets in this supermarket and then it's also been quite a few days so like how are they alive still they probably did not have that much food and water in their cage when everything hit the fan so like how are they still alive i don't know man i don't know guess it's not that important the movie's good anyway um regardless of bird life and death and logical bird lifespans and uh I don't even know bird needs <laughs> so drunk Douglas is like calling for everyone to come to his aisle and he's like we are making the apocalypse great again and they're like okay whatever Douglas and of course he's like don't you guys get it we could just stay here in the store um and there he's like there's no logical or you know there's no logical explanation to go back and there's no legal argument for it. And Mallory's like, how about because we're not assholes? Like, there are other people who are hungry. 
So um, as she says that, there's kind of like knocking on a door and they're like, what the fuck? So this door that's being knocked on, they're like, what's behind here, Charlie? And he's like the loading dock. And this guy is talking and Charlie recognizes him as Fish Fingers. And he's like, he did some time, but he's always been nice to me. And he's like, how'd you get out there? And he's like, some people pushed me out here. They tricked me. You got to help me out. You got to let me in. And Tom was like in the process of opening it. And then they, the birds start freaking out. So they're about to close the door again. And then Fish Fingers loses it. And he is a big, strong guy. And he's pushing in and pushing in and pushing in. And everyone's freaking out, including Charlie. And Charlie, like a boss just charges at fish fingers and tackles him out of the doorway so that they can close the door. And they're like, Charlie, Charlie. But uh, we hear fish fingers say everyone must see. And then we hear a, a stabby stab sound. And then there's blood pooling under the door. And we can still hear fish fingers. So clearly it was Charlie. And this easily shuts down the argument for staying in the store. Everybody leaves. Um, and then... Back at the house, they're bringing in this, the groceries, and uh, they're like, where's Charlie? And uh, Douglas makes some stupid-ass comment about the book Charlie was writing, and Mallory's like, he saved us, you fucking asshole. So that night, John and Mallory kind of have a moment of understanding that's really great. Um, he talks about how, you know, his first wife, when she divorced him, said, you know, to call him a creep would be an affront to creeps everywhere. His second wife basically said the same thing. And he's like, the, my third wife, she really was, you know, third time really was the charm for me. My third wife, she was the kindest woman I ever knew, blah, blah, blah. And Mallory's like, you kind of remind me of my dad. And he's like, oh, you know, a man who dispenses wisdom. And she's like, yeah, an asshole who blames everything on everyone else, even though he treats people like shit. And he, he takes it really well. And she's like, but you look different. And he's like, do I also look like him? And she's like, nah you don't and he's like what's different she's like the hair the hair is different because <laughs> john malkovich is bald <laughs> so he gives her like a little shot of whiskey and they have a, a shot of whiskey together so they come to a good understanding and then they hear something and it's machine gun kelly and academy girl and they're leaving in the car those fuckers um and of course everybody's pissed and disappointed and I'm like what a piece of shit this is why I think Academy Girls actually is a big sissy and also I like to think that uh they probably betray each other somewhere down the line you know like one of them gets into a tight spot and the other just abandons them that's what I think happened because they're both weaselly bastard pieces of shit um then it's more river time and we have been on the river a full 24 hours how are they peeing are they just peeing in their pants I don't know I don't think I want to know um, as they're going, they hit a bump and then they hit a semi truck that has been lodged in the water. Clearly someone just drove it off some cliff or something and into the river. Um, and they hit it and everybody kind of topples and boy falls overboard with the supplies. And of course we save boy and Mallory's going to go give him a blanket because he's cold. It's freezing and there is no blankets. There are no food. Everything is fucked. So he, he just starts apologizing and it makes me big sad. Um, he's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, no, 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 it's not your fault. And I was like, yeah, it's not your fault, my guy. Um, so Mallory can hear something and she steers the boat to shore to go look for supplies. And she tells the kids, do not leave the boat. Because, of course, she's looking out for their safety. And Mallory has this really cool system of like a fishing line. So she just unravels it as she walks. So she knows where she's been and how to get back to the boat. Really genius. She finds a bunker and starts looting it. Uh, takes off her blindfold, starts looking for supplies, gets stuff that they need. Um, and, the, and something goes wrong. Um, something she can hear and sense something. And it's the creatures. So she puts her blindfold on. She's leaving again. And uh, she she starts, like, shooting. She falls over and starts shooting randomly. And I love the random dead body we get in the shot. Um, but back at the boat, the girl says, you know, something is wrong with Mallory. And then she ties a rope to her waist and ties a rope the rope to the boat and then goes to investigate and she almost dies because she comes like right in front of one of the creatures and she can kind of tell something's 
off and it's standing right there. Um, and there seems to be like an unspoken rule that these creatures cannot make you look at them. My theory is that they're incorporeal um, for whatever reason. They're not physical the way we are physical. Um, and Charlie had talked about their spirits that descend upon humanity to judge them. If they're found wanting, then they show you your worst nightmares, which kind of seems like um, the deal here. You know, and he's talking about different entities like Fuka and, you know, different... Uh, and that is not a veiled swear, guys. I'll swear if I want to swear, okay? Afuka is an actual thing. Um, but he's talking about all these different entities and different religions and different cultures that kind of resemble somewhat these things. So um, anyway, there's this unspoken rule. They can't make you look at them. So luckily, even though she's right in front of one, she doesn't take off her blindfold and she gets yanked back. And turns out Mallory is reeling her in like she's a fish. And Mallory puts her back in the boat. And she gives girl an intense talk. Like, you never, ever do that. Do not ever do that again. And she's like, you know, if something is wrong, you save yourself. You don't ever come looking for me. You save yourself. And she's like, you say it, say it, say it. And she's like, I saved myself. And she's crying. And she just wanted to be helpful. Poor little girl. You know, like, Mallory's her only adult, clearly, and she wanted to, I don't know, it's just so sad. So, anyway, uh, in the past, Tom and Mal talk, um, and Tom talks about how he was stationed in Iraq, and he talks about how, because um, they're talking about, like, everything is fucked, like, why, why are we trying to hold on to something normal, why are we trying to stick together, whatever, whatever, and he explains that when he was in Iraq... There was this guy walking down the road with these kids, and so they stopped to check it out, and uh, it turns out it was a dad walking his kids to school. Even though everything was, like, a shit fest, he's just walking his kids to school in the midst of all the war going on. And uh, so he, they escort him and his kids to the school and back, and he's like, and it just became a routine. And he's like, I like to think that the dad is still there walking his kids to school, despite everything. And, uh... He, he shows the necklace that the dad gave him. Um, and then Mallory really feels for him, so she lets him touch the belly. It's kind of like touching the butt, but not really. Um, so that's super sweet. And then we go back to River. Um, the river. We've been on the river 28 hours. So boy and girl are asleep again, and they're cuddling, and Mallory tries the radio, but it doesn't work. So we go back to the past, um... Same, but it's Olympia. Oh, same. By, sorry, I'm reading my notes. So Mallory's trying to find someone on the radio. Cannot. And it's the middle of the night, and she can hear Olympia talking to someone. And she's at the door, and then she lets this someone in. And this guy, I don't like him immediately. There's something weird about him. Um, and Douglas is also mad um, because it's Douglas. But I think at this point, honestly, um, Douglas is trying to protect the small group of people that have accepted him as he is. So he's like, new guy, it was nice meeting you, but get the fuck out. And Gary's like explaining his story. And he explains that there are crazy people out there who have seen, but they don't want to die. But they do want everyone else to see. Um, so they're um, super, super cray cray. Um, Douglas does not like this story. It puts him even more on edge. Um, and he has the gun. He's pointing it at Gary. And he's like, get out. I'm not going to say it again. And this is when the little old lady actually makes, like, an impact on this story. She knocks Douglas over the head with a vase, and then they drag him into the garage. And that's where Douglas is for now. Um, so Mallory and Olympia talk again, and it's super cute, uh, super sweet. Um, and Olympia, this is the part where she's like, you know, I'm not tough like you. I'm soft. Everyone has done everything for me my whole life. And she kind of is just like verbally admiring Mallory, which is super cute. And then she says, you know, if something happens to me, I want you to take care of my ba baby. And Mallory's like, nothing is going to happen to you. You know, that's not going to happen. You're going to take care of your baby because nothing's going to happen to you. And she's like, no, 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 please promise me. So she eventually does. Um, and she gives her a small baby shower where she gives her like a Hello Kitty keychain or some shit like that. It's really kind of cute. And, uh, She's like, Olympia has this sweetest heart. She's crying and she's like, it's perfect. And you're like, what a good little lady. So we're on the river again, 38 hours. And they have a meeting. 
about the rapids. And this is the part that's threatening already to make me cry, um, my first watch through. Um, so Mallory is explaining to them that the rapids are intense and they will not be able to make it through unless someone looks. And so she's like, one of you will have to look because if I look, none of us are going to live. We're all going to die. So the little boy volunteers to look and Mallory says, no, 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 I say who looks. I say who looks. Um, and this is the part where, yeah, this is where it really starts to threaten me because girl clearly thinks it's going to be her because it, it's, you know, their whole lives, if you look, you die. If you look, you die. There is no, maybe you, you get two seconds. No, no, no. If you look, you die. So she's thinking Mallory's going to sacrifice her, which literally punches me in the stomach of emotions and I just want to die thinking about that. Kids are definitely my biggest weakness and especially like kids feeling loved. I just want them to feel loved. Um, and it reminds me, it kind of reminds me of the story my teacher told in high school about this lady in Nazi Germany and she had a boy and a girl and a Nazi soldier said, you can take one of them, but not both of them. The other one I take with me and if you don't choose one of them, I'll shoot all three of you. So the mom chooses to take the boy with her because she figures he has a better chance of survival. And in the end, they all, both of the children die. Um, but the mother is left wondering, what had, would things have been different? And I remember just being gutted by that story. Um, like, if I were the mother, I'd probably want to die. So um, we asked my very wise English teacher, what would you have done? And she said, I wouldn't have chose between the kids. And we were all flabbergasted because we were like, but then they both die. And she said, at least they know that I loved them and that I would not choose between them. I loved them equally with all of my life. And she said, it's not, you know, if you're choosing between the two, the evil is on your head. Whatever happens is on your head. But if you're letting him make the decision, then it's on him. You know, he's the one opting to shoot all three of you. He's the one pulling the trigger, not you. Um, so I, I just kind of think that this is one of those moments where, you know, whoever you choose is going to feel unloved. So I'm already like thinking about that. That's where I'm coming from. Tears are in my eyes, in my heart. Um, and then we go back to the past. Um, and there, everybody's kind of having a chill time. Um, sitting in the kitchen, listening to music, talking, and both of the ladies go into labor. So the little old lady is acting as their delivery nurse. She takes them both upstairs. Tom helps. She tells Tom to go get a bucket of water. Tom does that. And of course, Douglas is like, sees that something's going on. So he's standing by the door of the garage, which has a giant ass window. And, uh, he sees Gary start being weird and Gary pulls these pictures out of his briefcase that are all fucked up and weird. And we're like, yep, Gary, Douglas was right this whole time. Gary should have been shot in the head. Gary should have been thrown to the wolves. Um, and he puts, Douglas is like, what are you doing? And Gary puts the burbs in the freezer, which is super fucked up. Um, so that way they don't make noise when he starts going crazy. And Douglas is like, what are you doing? So then he opens the garage door and Douglas is like, you fucking asshole. We were nice to you. And I was like, yeah, Douglas, you tell that man. You're right for once. Um, so then the ladies have their baby. Um, he, Gary also knocks out Tom and then goes to see the ladies and their baby, um, their babies. Um, and this is when we find out that boy is Mallory's and girl is Olympia's. And as they're sitting there, you know, post-delivery, holding their children, Gary's like, they should look. And he just starts taking all the blinds and curtains down off the windows. And you're like, ah! And so Mallory is like, don't look, don't look. But it's too late for Olympia. Olympia is looking. And so Mallory puts Boy down and gets up and is like, Olympia, let me see your baby. Let me see your baby. Let me see your... And she's like insistent, like, let me just see your baby for one second. So somehow Olympia passes off. The, she manages to get Olympia to pass off the baby. And then Olympia just goes fucking sprinting at the window, slams into it, slams over it, and just fucking dies. And you're like, holy shit. So then Gary, um, the, the 
the old lady has a pair of scissors and Gary makes her look and she takes the scissors and stabs herself and then Gary takes the scissors from her and Mallory's hiding under the blanket on the bed with the babies and he's like, let me see your babies. Um, and then all of a sudden we hear uh, Douglas. Douglas has made it out of the garage. He's got the gun and he's blindly standing there ready and willing to shoot Gary like a badass man. Talk about character development. Douglas knows it's not safe, and he's up there trying to protect Mallory and her babies. You go, Dad Douglas. But uh, it's it doesn't really work very well for him. Um, he shoots Gary in the arm, but then Gary tackles him down the staircase, and Gary is the one to recover first, and he's still got the scissors, so he stabs Douglas right in the heart. And I think there's a really cool line here where Gary just genuinely is like, I'm so sorry that you didn't get to see so we know that these crazy people are not malicious. They really do think that there's some kind of salvation to be had in looking at these creatures. Um, so he, he stabs Douglas to death and then goes back upstairs. And then there's a scuffle and Mallory's not sure what the hell is happening. And someone sits on the bed and it's Tom. He gets under the covers with them. And you kind of just assume, okay, that's how things kind of came to be. So then we get a time skip. It's five years later. Mallory's training boy and girl on noises and how to tell and detect where noises are coming from. And she and Tom are basically their parents. Um, they're in the middle of nowhere, but they have to do supply runs. And everything is kind of like, it's kind of sweet and nice. They're cozy here despite the supply runs and despite crazies being near. Uh, Mallory insists that they are and Tom just kind of takes her word for it because why would she lie? So, of course, at this point, Tom's like, we need to move. Um, and that's when we get the radio call from the beginning. talking, And it, he's talking to Tom. We get to hear the other part of the conversation. And he's like, do you have kids? And Mallory's like, don't even tell him. Don't you dare. And he's like, no. And he's like, good. And he's like, why? And he's like, because I don't think they'll make it through the rapids. Um, so th he gives them instructions. And the next day, Tom and Mallory are discussing it. Tom wants to go. Mallory doesn't. Tom thinks it's promising. Mallory thinks it could be a trap. So that night, Tom's telling the kids stories, and they love it. Uh, Mallory hates it. Um, he thinks it gives them hope, but she thinks it gives them false hope. Um, and then they have this conversation about survival versus living. Or survive, survive, survival versus living, rather. Surviving versus living, sorry. That's what they're talking about. You know, the difference between the two. And Tom says they deserve love. They deserve hope. They deserve a mother, which, of course, really hurts Mallory's feelings. Um, she's like, you know, every decision I make is for those kids. Um, and they get into a big... That's not what they get into. They get into a big uh, argument. And that night, Mal's laying down. And Tom apologizes. Um, and then the next day they go on a supply run as a family, which is super nice. What a wonderful field trip. But of course, crazies happen and ruin everything, just like they do modern times. Uh, you know, you'd be having a good field trip to the zoo and then the crazies show up and then you're like, oh my lord, we gotta run. So, um, Tom bravely sacrifices himself to save Mallory and the kids. But before he does, he's like, Mal, promise to take the kids up river if I don't make it take them up the river and so she's like you're gonna make like you know don't leave me and he's like you gotta go so she and the kids go and tom goes full soldier on these motherfuckers um and takes them out and there's one that notices the kids and mallory so he goes rogue goes to go get kid the kids and mallory tom runs after that guy and tom is not blindfolded anymore he's been shot already um, and it seems to be a critical shot. So he's run after this guy to protect his family. And he sees one of the things. And his eyes change color. But before he does anything crazy, he shoots the guy at, going after his family. And then he shoots and kills himself. Um, and that's when we loop back to the beginning of the movie where Mallory's giving them the, the like sergeant talk. And they're like, where's Tom? And you're like, oh no. So we're back at the beginning. So now that we have context for all the things that are happening now, we're back to the now. Um, we're on the river. It's been 42 hours. 
we've got another meeting again about the rapids and this part is the part that made me cry in my defense a little tipsy um so uh but her, i mean it still gets me pretty good when i'm sober watching it but um mallory um is talking about one of us has to look i get to decide and the thing that really made me start to cry is girl bites her bottom lip to keep herself from crying and i was like oh no baby like it just it just breaks me to see a kid have to do that like and it just it just hurts um, and Mal makes the right call. She's like, no one looks. No one looks. No one's going to look. We're just going to go with it. And if we make it, we make it. And I was like, oh, that's so good. That's the right choice. Again, that's the uh, the no choice is the best choice, which is often not even a choice in life. But um, it is the best choice in this case, which usually it's not. So there you there you go. Have Have some convoluted life advice thrown in. Um, of course, going down the rapids, they tip, but Mal collects the children and they bravely make it through the woods. And they're like, <laughs> it's so kind of stupid. Cause like he, the guy who told them about the place and about going on the river, he's basically like, just follow the sound of the birds. <laughs> it's the worst way to find anything ever. So they're trying and then they start hearing voices and the creatures are whispering to them. Um, using the people they know, um, telling them uh, to take off their blindfolds and stuff. And it's a really, like, they're here moment. Um, Mallory trips and falls down this little uh, slope. And she gets knocked out for a second. And the kids are confused by the voices, so they wander off. Um, Mallory is, this is the part where Mallory finally reaches deep down into herself and allows her heart to just show forth. And she's begging them not to take their, her kids. Um, she finds boy first and he says that, uh, she's calling out for girl with boy in her arms and boy's like, she's scared of you, Mallory. So then she just starts apologizing profusely and beautifully as well. Um, you know, she's like, I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry. I was so hard on you. Um, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And finally, girl comes to find her, and she is just, like, thrilled. Everyone's thrilled. Everybody applaud. We're not out of the woods yet, but still, it's an applause moment. So they follow the birds again, but the creatures come back, so they're running after the birds, hoping that they keep making noise. Um, she finds a door finally and begs the whoever is there you know she's banging on the door and she's like open up open up um and when there's no response she's like please just take my children just take the children keep my children safe so the door opens and they take all three of them in and they're checking their eyes and they're like she's good and it turns out they found themselves at a school for the blind haha -ha. so um this guy the guy on the radio i think his name's rick he introduces himself and shows them to this atrium that has uh, like a canopy of vines and leaves and flowers and the birds are singing and it's just a really beautiful place to be honest. Um, and they're there and she sees her OBGYN. Like first, sorry, first they let their, their birds out of the box to jo go join the other birds. And it's a really nice moment. And then she notices her OBGYN is there. And she's like, what are their names? These kids, you know. And she's like, these are my kids. And she's the, the kids introduce themselves as boy and girl. And she's like, actually, your name is Olympia after the sweetest woman I know. And your name is Tom after the bravest man I know. And the kids are like, can we go play? And she's like, yes. And we get a woo moment. Uh, it's very sweet and a very good ending, despite the fact that um, basically no one survives. Um, but girl makes it, and so does boy, and those are the important things. Also, Mallory learns how to love openly, and that's the important thing as well. Um, the birds also get out of the box, so that's a really good thing. Um, and yeah, that's uh, the end of the movie. Very hopeful ending. Um, very nice ending. I really did enjoy this movie. Um, like I said, it doesn't really waste your time. It's a long movie, but it doesn't feel long because none of the moments are wasted. Like, you don't get excessive amounts of, like, characters walking or whatever. Like, just dumb stuff. 
Um, it just kind of gets down in the nitty gritty, and once it starts hitting, it doesn't stop. And it pretty much hits from the beginning. Um, but yeah, that was Bird Box. Um, let me know what you guys thought. Um, let me know if you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, let me know if you've got a request for a next movie. I think I will be doing the Poughkeepsie tapes. Um, sophomore John over on Rumble, a friend of mine, he reminded me that the Poughkeepsie tapes exist and I have it on DVD. It's been a hot second since I've watched it, so I'll have to go through it again. But I was also, he reminded me right before I started house sitting, which I've been doing for like two weeks now. And uh, I was like, maybe watching a movie about a serial killer who breaks into houses and kills people is not a good thing to do while I'm watching houses and being alone. So, I mean, not that I get scared easily, but at the same time, I don't want to accidentally like stab the UPS guy, you know? Anyway, um, let me know what you thought. Thank you for listening. Um, check out Sophomore John's channel. He and I have been doing some collabs together, and it's just a really good time. You can catch me in the chat a lot of the time, um, even if I'm not on the stream itself. Give him a follow. Give him a like. He's a great guy. We've got a ton of people over on Rumble who are just wonderful, so check us out there um, and come party with us. Um, this has been the Boy of the Moon podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, stay safe. Watch out for uh, evil creatures that make you see sad things and want to kill yourself. Um, keep the birds close, be good to burbs, and as always, beware the moon.